0: Everybody. Welcome again to F This Movie, the official podcast of FThisMovie.com. Scary movie love for scary movie lovers. My name is Patrick Bromley, and I'm super excited for this week's show. It is our penultimate Scary Movie Month podcast. And I am joined for a discussion of 2020's Underwater by the man who would like to see the Phillies win tonight, Mr. Rob DiCristino. Hi, Rob.
1: Go, Phils. Patrick. You flat-chested pixie sweet man. <laughs> whatever he calls the, her.
0: The, by the time this podcast comes out tomorrow, that Philly's line will have dated one way or the other. And I may ask you to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Yeah. All right. Well, listen, I'm excited to talk underwater with you. Yes. yes. Uh, I'm excited for Scary Movie Month. It is kind of... Winding down, we're in the last week of October now. Halloween is but a week away, and the scary movie challenge rolls on. Every time you watch a scary movie during the month of October, go to fthismovie.com and leave a seven word review for that movie. We'll read some of them on the show. Like now. Wanna read one, Wait Rob? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. To... Yeah,
1: might as well. JB. Hi, JB. JB says of the mummy's tomb. Better title: Attack of the Stock Footage.
0: Wade says of Fright Night: Herman's head spies vampire through rear window. I had to, I had to include a Herman's head reference sure, because uh, you don't get him that often.
1: Rocco T. Thompson says of The Exorcist to The Heretic: A Borman boar,
0: but better than Believer. Have you seen Believer? Nope. Okay, me either. It just went on VOD today, but I'm not going to spend $30 to watch it because I think it'll be on Peacock in like a month. Yep. Uh, Jeremy Wicket of Alien. Late, 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 late stage capitalism.
1: (laughs) Tom S. Tex says of Spirit Halloween. So empty a Spirit Halloween moved in.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. I didn't see that one. Uh, Reed Strickland of an American werewolf in London. Shut up, werewolf. Pretty nurses talking.
1: I had that one, too. Uh, Jeremy Wickett says of Bram Stoker's Dracula, can't wait for Sid Meier's Civilization 7. I had to throw that one in there because I'm a huge Civ 5 player. So,
0: I None of that made sense to me.
1: It made sense to Jeremy Wickett. <laughs>
0: <so>. <laughs> Jennifer says of All Hallows Eve, which she watched with Joe Bob Briggs the other night, because I think everybody watched All Hallows Eve for the first time the other night. My first Art the Clown movie equals meh. And yes, Jennifer, I read this one because you're correct. All Hallows' Eve is not great. You got to move on to the Terrifier movies, and then you can decide that you don't like Octocloud.
1: So, Terrifier movies, I'm actually saving for Halloween this year. Right? Oh, very nice. To watch them. Okay, I'm saving them for Halloween because I know they're lengthy, or at least the second one is lengthy, right? Uh, they're they're both they're both long.
0: No, the first one is short. Okay. I'm sorry, I was saying they're both set on Halloween. the The first one is short. The second one is long.
1: Uh Miko, our friend Miko, and thank you again for all your work counting yes miko says miko says of jason x quips haven't evolved much in 400 years
0: <laughs> chris Sabios of ghost story lot of fucking comma stabbing for fred astaire movie
1: <laughs> wade
0: says of alien
1: jazz hand xenomorph just wants to dance
0: frank Dahlmeyer of saw four dumb still enthralled when final theme plays mm-hmm. and that is that theme, so relatable that's how that
1: theme gets you it really does you could be you could, you could be watching the most boring shit in the world and that theme comes on you're
0: like ooh. every saw movie i'm like this is dumb and then they they go da-da-da, da-da-da, da-da-da. and somebody goes game over and i'm like
1: fuck yes yes, yes. <laughs> the, bit of the game it is over it's over for them Uh, i have another wade wade says of a fly cronenberg's a fly the strongest argument against wine drunk teleporting
0: (laughs) marcus killerby of the relic my projector light bulb blue i didn't notice (laughs) you burnt peter hyams take that
1: hyams uh aaron keith says of the invisible man 1933 claude rains derails trains sleeps in grains
0: uh, Brad L of Halloween Kills, haddonfield most livable city for vigilante mobs.
1: <laughs> Evil dies tonight. Um, I believe it's Joe Peel. I
0: apologize. J O P A E L says
1: a personal shopper. Your place haunted?
0: Consider sippy cups. Pace two coming up again tonight. As yes, she is. Mac McIntyre of Underworld Awakening. The world has changed. Has it though? <laughs> Adam
1: Risky says of Dr. Giggles, needed to remind myself I dislike it, which is great because that's something that we do that I don't think normal people do, which is like, I need to watch that movie I don't like to remind myself that I dislike it.
0: I always think I'm going to like it this time. I have that whole never give up on a movie thing because sometimes I've changed my mind. But I for sure thought Giggles was one of Adam's movies, and I was surprised to find out he is not a fan.
1: I feel bad because he just had that with Blood Feast as well, or he thought he liked the movie and turns out he didn't. But happens to the best of us.
0: Yeah, Blood Feast, though. Come on. Uh, Luke Ciancio of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. What time do these people eat dinner?
1: That was the second to last one on my list, so I'll read my last one. Runaway Dual Rig says, of No One Will Save You, one of my favorite movies of the year, extraterrestrial redecorating crew leaves much to desire.
0: Very nice. Um, I'll burn through a few more. Lindsay Wilkins of Jigsaw. Can you really die if there's flashbacks? Louis Viljean of Night of the Hunted, a movie on Shutter that I haven't watched yet. Uh, Twitter thread masquerading as shitty sniper movie. Our friend Brian Kazmirsky of Hellfest. It's fun, but it's not the fun house. Fucking A right, it's not the fun house. Uh, Eric Wood of Saw X, masterclass in making movie with zero (laughs) stakes. Joel Edmiston, spiral from the book of Saw. He was trapped, then he was slapped. Which works better if you read it as Percy Rodriguez, like, he was trapped, then he was slapped. slapped. Chris Rock. (laughs) Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. Yankovic. Uh, Michael P. is my last one. Uh, Piranha 2, The Spawning. This movie is great, minus the piranhas. <laughs> so thank you, everybody, for submitting your seven-word reviews. We enjoy reading them. We got one week left, and we'll read uh, our last batch on our very special Halloween franchise episode coming up a week from today. Mm-hmm. That'll drop what on Halloween. What is it? I'm can not supposed to say. Slip? Yeah. Can tell? Tell? Right?
1: Don't slip. Don't Don't tell.
0: I keep that shit close to the vest. Is that every year? Every year I go,
1: oh, so this is like the last one, right? They don't, there's no more franchises after this. And then you guys keep surprising me.
0: It's unfortunate. There's always more. Hey, Rob, have you seen anything scary lately? Little old me. Well, I just
1: had, so, okay. So I'm trying to remember the order that you'll hear these things in. So, You'll hear this first, but tomorrow on Reserve Seating, <laughs> I, will ex- <laughs> I will explain that uh, I uh, have been watching movies, obviously, but uh, I split up my sort of what have you seen lately uh, between, um, between Reserve Seating and here. So I talked about some stuff on Reserve Seating, Now I want to talk about just a couple things uh, here. And the uh, first one is one I actually watched last night or over the course of two nights, um, which is Mike Flanagan's Ouija Origin of Evil. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. We were just talking about Mike Flanagan a bunch over on reserve seating and um, wanted to check out the one gap I had in his filmography. Uh, and it's uh pretty good. Um, I'm finding I like short Mike Flanagan, I like short condensed <laughs> Mike Flanagan. He works in small doses for me. Um, interesting, which is, which is funny considering like one, the director's cut of Dr. Sleep is great and that's long, but two, he's doing so many of these long, sort of drawn out Netflix things. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. I thought it was really good to the point. I thought it jumped to its like third act. It jumped to the point really quickly. Not to spoil anything for you. Um, I like... I think, you know... I, oh, I'll put it this way. I like how much he likes Henry Thomas. I don't know if I love Henry Thomas as an actor, as, a, as an adult actor, but I like how much he likes it um, and puts him in stuff. And so, um, yeah, really good. Really effective. I've never seen Ouija, the first one. I, I haven't seen it. You're I fine. It. I heard it's terrible. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it's uh, one
0: of those miracle movies. I mean, Doctor Sleep is a different kind of miracle movie because he's making a really good sequel to a really good movie. Ouija Origin of Evil is like he's making a really good prequel slash sequel to a total shit movie and it's yeah. like well that's hard too to
1: and that's like an interesting experiment it's like how yeah. they talk about you know remake like oceans 11 like remake a movie that's bad don't right. remake a movie that's good remake <laughs> right. a good idea that needs to be a better movie like this is kind of very similar really you know obviously you know good good performances in there as well i like the effects i love that my seven word review was sort of a play on the Sort of wide mouth thing that the girl they're doing to the the little girl on that to represent the possession and all that, but um really good research obviously rules and and it's great to see her in that and um, I love
0: his whole stock company uh yeah. because the girl with the jaw that you're referring to, mm-hmm. whose name escapes me, I know she's Becky, but uh she shows up in fall the house of usher
1: Doris is her character's name right the little girl
0: sure isn't it Doris Lulu Wilson Lulu Wilson, that's who it is. Um, Lulu Wilson shows up in Fall of the House of Usher, as does most of his stock company, including Henry Thomas. Henry Thomas, yeah. giving a, a, I think, a really funny performance. I watched a little bit of it. I haven't seen all of it. Watched.
1: I watched a little bit of it. And I do, I think I know what you're talking about. It is. Yeah.
0: Funny. He's yeah. he's really funny, and his cameo in Doctor Sleep is legendary. Um, yeah. Have you? Did you watch Midnight Mass?
1: I watched some of it. That's another one where, like, I couldn't. I do kind of. Fall off of them when they go for too long, right? Which is not to say anything against Flanagan's filmmaking. I like his filmmaking. I think it's just that thing where. I, it just takes me a while to invest in something that's a, a series. You know what I mean? There, I know Midnight Mass is a limited series, right? It's not a.
0: The yeah, they're all like eight episodes, yeah, I eight think. Eight
1: episodes, yeah. I need to go back in and give them more of a chance. I think sometimes I just I just get a little bit. They're they're very quiet and they're very languorous. And so I think I just need to maybe. Maybe this will be my inspiration to go in and give some more of them a shot. Because, again, I like Mike Flanagan. Like, yeah, he's like I good. I totally like him. Yeah. yeah. Um, he good. Yeah. Good movie. Yeah. Um, I also checked out one that was on my list for last year um, and I didn't get around to it. I don't remember. I didn't get a screener or I, I can't remember exactly what it was. I wanted to watch it around award season, but um, we're all going to the World's Fair. Did you oh, yeah,
0: one? I did not. But I heard only good things.
1: Yeah, it's over on uh, it's on it's on Max now, I think. okay, um, It's like 81 minutes or something like that. Or it's like very, very short, um, really small movie. Um, Anna Cobb plays the lead character and she's essentially this in middle school maybe 14 50 year old girl who does one of the sort of TikTok viral challenges um uh, and long story short she starts to experience some bodily changes and things but also does she it's one of those movies oh. where is it in her head is it you know a, it's kind of a commentary on the nature of these like viral things and i found as somebody who really loved eighth grade bo burnham's film eighth grade um and who works with kids like I, You know, I I really look at it at that movie as like so much about change, so much about, you know, getting older and loneliness. The girl is doing these online challenges because she has no friends and she ends up developing this interesting relationship with uh, somebody over like you over like youtube videos where they're like making youtube videos and communicating through that and it just speaks a lot to to the way i think a lot of younger people are learning to communicate learning about themselves and so much of the movie is just the actress it's the thing where she's sort of breaking the fourth wall by looking directly into the camera and she's you're, you're watching her click around on the internet and just her in the frame for so much of the movie kind of looking at herself I thought it was such a kind of an interesting look at kind of what a lot of kids are doing a lot of the time now and filming themselves and all that stuff. Um, And so, you know, um, I like how much it's it's left ambiguous. Um, There's some stuff I think maybe in the end, it kind of tries to explain a little bit too much. But it also and when you see it, you'll you'll kind of what I mean, it lets another character explain things, which kind of opens up the idea that maybe he's bullshit, too. You know what I mean? like Maybe it's not really what it is, but really cool movie, really atmospheric. It's very short. It was a good like I think I watched it like right after I watched something else. And so it was a nice like come off of it kind of movie, real quiet, mm-hmm. um, but really, really uh, nicely done.
0: Nice. I have to check it out. I have this thing where I'm like, I got I only have so many days to watch all these horror movies. And then I'm like, wait, I can watch whatever I want anytime <laughs> I want. It doesn't want it have told. to be in October. <laughs>
1: yeah, I could do whatever I want. I'm um sure and then the last thing I'll stuff. talk about just quickly is something you talked about a couple weeks ago was was um Totally Killer. Uh oh yeah uh, Time traveling and sort of back to the back to the slasher kind of movie. Yeah, um, yeah. I, yeah. I, my thoughts basically mirror yours. Um I, I think I mentioned on reserve seating I was I wanted to watch, I was gonna review it, and then I ended up didn't go into the screening. Um but uh I love Karen Shipka from Mad Men, so I'm eager to see stuff that she's in. My thoughts are basically yours. There's some cool ideas in there. It's some fun stuff. I think our friend Stephanie, I think our friend Stephanie Crawford said on Twitter, like, cool movie for like people who want to watch a slasher but don't want to be scared, that kind of thing. Like, it's like a crowd pleaser. It's kind of fun. You know what I mean? Like, and that's more or less where I'm at with it. Some, some cool stuff. Like you, I like the, um, the 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 way she's sort of commenting on the way there's no sort of like rules like in the 80s. Like, yeah. I love when she, go, she goes into this school and they're like, here's your schedule. She's like, do you want to see like my ID or anything? And, you know, obviously there's some reference there and all the smoking and all that stuff. And right. uh, it was fun. Totally, total like crowd pleasing, like something I recommended to my high school students. Like, I oh, you know, if you don't really love really creepy, scary stuff, but you want to see that kind of thing, you know, totally, totally a decent enough watch.
0: I had a student try to explain the movie to me. Because every the start of each week, I always ask, like, did anybody watch any movies over the weekend? She goes, yeah. And I forget what she called it, but she called it the wrong title. And then she starts explaining it, and she's like, it's about these mean girls and blah, blah, blah. And it it took her a minute and a half before I realized she was talking about totally killer. And I had seen it. I was <laughs> like, what? You're explaining this movie in such a weird way. Like you're siding with all the wrong characters. Yeah. She didn't le- like she didn't say it's about. This girl who goes back in time to stop her mom's killer. I would have known what it was right off the bat. No, she leads with, like, it's about the bullies. What movie did you watch? So weird. It's about the
1: Gravitron. It's a movie about the history of the Gravitron.
0: I did like the walk in sideways on the Gravitron. Yeah, that was like, well, I haven't seen that in a movie before. There's enough in it to recommend it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. But Um, I did start to, I did start to feel like, uh, you know, I go on Twitter and everyone's like, This movie's totally fun. About not just this movie, but about several movies, including one that I'm gonna talk about. And I'm like, I'm not having fun with any of these. Uh something is broken inside me where I Nothing's not broken having inside you, Patrick. We've had this we've, movies.
1: No, we've had this conversation. I, I think that, you know, sometimes we we need things to feel fun because we need to have fun. And maybe they <laughs> do and maybe maybe they don't and we just we need to accept that and we're not we're not you know it is what it is Twitter culture is what it is and i'm sorry x culture is what
0: it is oh no it's twitter culture
1: it's twitter yeah we need to stop that too um Uh, but anyway that's all i got so what do you got
0: so the first movie that was not fun for me uh is a new movie called shaky shivers directed by You can't see
1: me but i'm shaking and he is
0: he is directed by sung kang Oh, because I always wondered what would it look like if Han made a horror comedy?
1: Horror movie. It would look a
0: lot like a, like a a shitty modern full moon movie.
1: Oh,
0: It's like, that's what it reminded me so much of. It's like three actors, one free location. um, Some good effects. Like there's some werewolf stuff and some zombie stuff. That is impressive. I think Gabe Bartalos did the special effects and they are better than full moon caliber. I shouldn't compare it to full moon. Part of the issue is like there's this silly score that runs through the whole movie to let you know that it's a comedy. And that is a weird tip off to like, oh, this feels cheap. It looks cheap. It feels cheap. I will say it's not terrible as long as you're going into it. Just to see it as a comedy that happens to have a few horror elements, I wouldn't call it a horror comedy because that suggests like American Werewolf in London, where it's sort of doing both things equally. This is purely a comedy that happens to have a girl who may or may may not be a werewolf and some zombie shit. I was going to ask for
1: like a log line because I don't know what the what's the premise.
0: These girls go out to the woods. They work at the same ice cream parlor, and they are go they out mean to the
1: girls. W- Patrick, are they mean girls? Is it about, <laughs> is it about mean girls? <laughs>
0: they, they go out to the woods because one thinks she might be a werewolf. And I will say, to the testament of the movie, the two actors whose names I don't have in front of me, it really seemed like they were like pulled from like the LA comedy scene, and that may be a turnoff to you. But it was like they are very funny. And their banter is funny, and they throw jokes away in a funny way. Like their performances are funny. I chuckled a couple times at the movie. I think I just was expecting something different, and so I it took me a while to wrap my head around what the movie actually is. And by the time I did, it was kind of wrapping up um, the full moonness of it all through me. It's totally fine. It's streaming on – it did one of those things where it had like a one-night theatrical, and now it's on Screambox. And again, it's like 80 minutes. So if you like comedy – and again, I I really do um, recommend it for the performances of the two lead women who are very funny. And there's a third guy who's kind of funny. Did you see Blockers? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you remember the redhead kid in Blockers with the hat? He's, like, trying to make the hat happen. He's really funny in Blockers. He's funny in this. Uh, Everybody's funny. It's just not a great movie.
1: Okay.
0: And I, you know, I'm supposed to be having fun with it, and I am not. Um, I also saw Laid to Rest and Chrome Skull Laid to Rest 2. Which are these, like, slasher movies um, that are very much – it's funny because everything that I want to say about the movie that I kind of object to can also be applied to what I said about Terrifier, like, two years ago, before I became a fan a year ago, where I was like, this is not why I watch horror movies. This is mean-spirited gore for the sake of gore. This is trying to invent a horror icon where one didn't exist. This character Chrome Skull, who's a silent slasher with a metal face. Um, it's like, it's fine. It's competently made and it's directed by an effects guy, Rob Hall, who has since passed on. And I think I want to say Heather used to work for him. He directed both of these and they're streaming on Tubi. So there was no investment. Um, um, The effects are great. It's just I don't necessarily watch horror movies solely for gory kills. I think if you do and you think this Chrome Skull character is neat, you'll like the movies Uh, because there's not anything objectionable except that I didn't, again, have any fun with them. And I do kind of want when I watch a slasher movie, I prefer a spirit of fun. Uh, that doesn't mean they have to be funny. I just something about it has to pull me in. Um, and nothing about this movie aesthetically, or I, there was nothing for me to recommend it except the effects. But were any of the girls in it mean? Uh, I want to say there was like at least one mean girl. Okay, all right, good. Then I'm in. And Chrome Skull is kind of mean, it has like a weirdly. Impressive cast for B. I mean, it came out in 2009, so some of it is like before they were stars. But Kevin Gage is in it, who just appeared on our Patreon show on Strange Land, Sean Whalen, Jonathan Sheck, Thomas Decker, Lena Hedy has a small part, um Richard Lynch shows up. Like, there's a bunch of people in it. Most of them die horribly. Uh, spoilers for Laid to Rest and Chrome Skull, Laid to Rest 2. I just want to keep saying just Chrome like saying Skull. Yeah. If you were a wrestler, you'd be Chrome Skull. That'd be your name. <laughs> the last movie that I'll talk about is a new horror movie called Herd. Uh, that I just watched because it was getting some really good reviews. It's out from Dark Sky right now. It's available for rental, I think, for like six ninety nine. Um, it is the first movie, first feature of a guy. I want to say his name is Stephen Pierce. Bear with me while I look it up. Is it uh, since
1: you're looking it up? Is it herd H E R
0: D like God. as in we're herding cattle? Um, his name is Stephen Pierce. And it is essentially a zombie movie, and now I know there's a lot of people going, no, it's not. It's an infection movie, and you're right. It is an infection movie. It's just told 100% with the language of a zombie movie, so I would call it a zombie movie, but okay. Um, and it's about these two women who are married and are maybe going to split up because, believe it or not, there's some tragedy and trauma in their past. <laughs> uh-huh. And uh, in a horror movie in 2023, you've got to be kidding. And they go camping somewhere, maybe down South when a, an infection slash zombie outbreak takes place and they have to kind of uh, shack up with these like red state people. And, it wants to say something about red state versus blue state, or you know, conservative versus liberal, or whatever it wants to say. Something about socio political relationships in America. Now it gets halfway there. Uh, it's an okay zombie movie, it's very little that you haven't seen. There's like one reveal near the end that I was like, Oh, that's interesting, and then the movie does nothing with that. Um, it's almost worth seeing for the last five minutes, which is batshit to me. I don't want to spoil what it is, but I was like, are you really ending a movie this way? And not in a good way. Mm-hmm. Not in like a the last five minutes, you know, throws it all into context and makes it impressive. It's like you keep waiting for it to not be the ending. You keep waiting for like, and then she wakes up, but it just commits to its... I don't know. It, it, it's like, it's a totally fine movie as a horror fan, as a fan of indie horror. There's a lot to like in it. Um, but I do feel like it's a little bit of squandered potential. Mm-hmm. Not of That's it for me.
1: Speaking of squandered potential. Yeah. I don't know. I, water? Just no, a, I just I, want to make feel- a transition. Yeah. No. I myself. I don't know.
0: Um, let's start out by saying that Underwater, which came out in 2020 and was like one of the last movies I feel like I saw theatrically pre COVID, mm-hmm. uh, it was like shot what in 2017? Do I have that right? I
1: think it was, yeah, I want to say so. This one was I had this here 2017, uh, April is was principal production April and may is when it was shot um and then yeah it gets it gets uh it gets the covid release um i could not find neither in online resources or um anywhere on the disc um and i did you know i'll talk a lot about the commentary and stuff because i i just found the production of the film very interesting um i could not find a reason why it was shelved i don't i don't know um if you Maybe you do, or I really don't know.
0: No, I don't. And it, it really seems like everything about this movie. I remember when it was coming out, it was like January release, Kristen Stewart in a genre movie that doesn't automatically spell success to me, even though I'm a fan of Kristen Stewart and genre movies, um, looked kind of like maybe like a Leviathan rehash, uh 20th century Fox was in the middle of you know selling to Disney there was all this shit that I was like well this movie is being dumped after sitting on the shelf for three years and it's going to suck and then this crazy thing happened where people started seeing it and saying oh it's actually really good so Erica and I went opening weekend and both just fucking loved it like It is such a sneaky great movie. I think it was on all of our top ten lists that year. Yeah, it was online. Um, Yeah, I know it was online too. And uh, I don't think it should work. How so? I just think there's too many elements involved that could have derailed it, including the casting of Kristen Stewart. Who I think is terrific in this movie, but who we have seen be swallowed up by the size and scale of certain movies, whether it's mm-hmm. the Twilight movies or Snow White and the Huntsman, every time she does kind of a bigger blockbustery type movie, that's just not her speed, you know? And when she does like Charlie's Angels, she pivots to be in her own movie so that she works but the rest of the movie doesn't She
1: has something to do in a movie that doesn't work basically. <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah
0: yeah um so i didn't have hopes for her in this movie even but i think there's like one thing i don't love about this movie but i think everything else about it works
1: is that one thing tj miller
0: <laughs> it's not because no. obviously you know tj miller is not A welcome presence in a lot of movies these days do you think this movie even needs whether or not it's tj miller playing the part and i know he's kind of canceled but like does the movie need a tj miller character
1: i i don't think so um and one of the reasons why i don't think so it kind of gets into one of the things i like most about the movie um which is that it is a it's an alien riff, right obviously it's an alien riff. it's space truckers right that's, that's right. it's space truckers mixed with lovecraft mixed with you know any number of other things right not a strike against it every review i read of this movie and by the way this movie has a c cinema score and a 48 percent rotten tomato score
0: get out of town yeah
1: um essentially just the derivative derivative bullshit and i think some of that was probably nobody wanted to watch a movie about claustrophobia during covid i think that <laughs> had a lot to do with it sure um and i also think that it was just being dismissed on those terms and and not really you know um uh, thought about i love that this movie skips what what would have been the first act of most of these movies For this sure. movie starts right. and it just goes right yes there's some exposition in the opening credits here's the here's the thing here's what we're doing blah 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 but the first five minutes of this movie is Kristen Stewart is brushing her teeth she has a nice little character moment which we'll talk about and then bang things are exploding and she's on the run literally on the run things are exploding things are collapsing and the movie begins right it doesn't do the thing that most of these movies feel like they have to do which is set up the chemistry set up right, all the stuff right. between the characters right i love that the the first um the very first person that she meets right uh the the um uh, mamadou afi character i apologize if i'm mispronouncing his name um she doesn't know him it's not like oh we're all buddies on the space truck it's like hey you work in like tech right whatever blah 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 and you see all these little character bits and then the problem begins and it goes and it goes and it goes and and we gradually find people who know each other but the movie skips a lot of that stuff so while i you know obviously tj miller is canceled and so on and so forth that character I think is a little bit, you know, superfluous. I, I don't hate it, but I agree with you that it's not needed.
0: Yeah, I don't. It it doesn't ruin the movie for me. I just feel like, and and there are some people who will who would prefer that he be in the movie, not him, but the the character, the character. Right. because it is otherwise a pretty dour and humorless movie, mm-hmm. which is okay. I think you know if that's in, the tone of this your movie, movie yeah. right? Exactly. Um, He does provide some levity for me. It's like unnecessary levity. I'm okay with the other tone. So when he cracks jokes, it kind of stands out. Now I do feel like I'm spending too much time talking about this, but like his desire to crack jokes does seem to stem from character. And like, this is the thing he does when he's nervous or upset, as opposed to like, I'm the funny guy that everyone can't stand it does feel organic i just don't know if i need it
1: yeah he's not han solo right right that the, you know it's not like he's like my 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 friend dan hey dan if you're listening i think I've, I've cited this before but my favorite thing that he's ever said about star wars which is something that we both love is han solo is cool cuz han solo doesn't want to be in a star wars movie right. that's the whole thing with han solo he thinks star wars is dumb right it's not the same thing it's not did you say least... han
0: solo or harrison ford
1: <laughs> both <laughs> um, but uh yeah no but um yeah he doesn't he doesn't he's not doing it to distance himself, distance himself ironically from the movie and make right. the audience comfortable. It's he, he's dealing with his, his anxiety, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, so, again, so just wanted to kind of just at the beginning here talking a little bit about, you know, obviously the movie was dismissed. It's dumped in January during COVID. Nobody I, – I guess nobody sees it. Box office is not really relevant, I don't think, with this in this particular situation. January of 2020, I don't know if you can really even talk about the box office.
0: Well, this is technically pre-COVID, it, right? Because COVID 40, hits in March.
1: Yeah, COVID hits in March. I guess it's true. Yeah, but it's – it's I don't know. Yeah, maybe maybe we're off on the timeline. but um, So, it, you know, it does January numbers, not that much. Right, but exactly but um i i just really 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 love this movie um to me this is a movie about grief obviously it's a movie about pulling yourself literally out of grief and we'll talk about that i'm sure um and um this is i i i i love this Kristen sewer performance so much and and it's and it's a performance that is not you know it, it's not shaky bitey nails look at the girl. <laughs> it's not it's not her it's not sort of you know well all the things that she's been sort of, you know, called out for and said are evidence of her bad acting, which we've litigated a thousand times. we not going to talk about that. She's a great actress. She's incredible what she does. Um, and, uh, but I love her character in this movie because of the function that she plays. Like we talked about the movie just starting. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that this movie is about her. I guess we're spoiling the movie, but yeah, this yeah, movie yeah. is about her saving a couple. The whole movie is about basically like, I couldn't save my partner. I can't be happy. Um, my life is, you know, is, is, is kind of falling apart. I'm down here cause I'm compensating for certain things. Um, but the moment that she sees that couple and talk about like the inciting incident in the movie, like she mm-hmm. gets to them, she sees them and everything else in the movie is her facilitating their escape. And, and it's such a great way to use her. Mm-hmm. Um, there are so many great moments. I watched this movie twice. I watched it with, I watched it, and then I watched it with the commentary track. Oh, nice. Um, and there are so many times in the movie where she's just in the mid ground, watching other characters and smiling, or looking at them nervously and you can see wheels turning in her head or you can she, she just i love the, not only do i love this performance but i love the role that she plays not as the lead hero character but as the story facilitator mm-hmm. and and it's something where it makes the end of the movie so cathartic i love the end of this movie um i love her body language in the end of this movie we're skipping all around and i'm sorry but i just have to get all this out um um i think this is a great performance and a really really great character to have in an alien movie right you compare that with like a Ripley and they're very, very different. Yeah,
0: for sure. I, again, mentioned sort of at the top of the discussion that it was commonplace for her to the, for the, the size and the idiosyncrasies of her performances to get swallowed up in a movie like this, literally like where she's this tiny little speck in the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's a testament to the script and to the tone that the film sets that her casting makes perfect sense. Um, That even something as sort of insular and navel gazing as her performances in this movie. And I don't, I don't say that in a mean way or as a negative as a knock against the movie. This is a very sort of interior performance and yet it works even at the bottom of the ocean surrounded by giant monsters like and that's a really really hard thing to pull off and i i give this movie so much credit and her so much credit for doing it
1: and speak, you know you, you spoke about the script a minute ago obviously you know this was. This co-written by brian duffield this was his original story he ends up co-writing the screenplay with adam kazard or kazad i think i apologize um and you know i'm all about brian duffield right now right we had this discussion over text me you and adam where i you got you guys saw me realize in real time that i love brian duffield you're like no he Wrote this. He also directed this. And I'm like, oh shit, I love those movies. Right? Um, it was like, oh, it turns out I'm a Brian Duffield guy. So, um anyway, uh Brian, if you're listening, uh, I love you. Um, He's
0: not listening. And I'm glad because I'm about to say something controversial.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Well, I'm
0: interrupting you. Go ahead. Finish. No, your no, point. no,
1: that's fine. I just wanted to point out, I just wanted to bring that up because, again, I'm celebrating him and you're about to apparently crush him, destroy him,
0: say <laughs> terrible things. Well, you were a bigger fan of No One Will Save You than I was. Yes. And I couldn't get out of my head. Almost the whole time I was watching No One Will Save You, like, isn't this kind of just Underwater? And I liked this done better in Underwater. There's so much to like and recommend about No One Will Save You. I'm not saying anything bad about that movie, but in terms of which of the two movies I connected to, uh, even in their construction, I, I, Underwater is a movie I love and No One Will Save You is a movie I respect.
1: Yeah. Oh, and to be clear, like I'm, I, I think Underwater is a better movie too. I just, but I still think that you know, and I agree with you. Common themes, common ideas. But um, yeah, no, I, I enjoy both movies. But I enjoy his work, and um, happy to celebrate it here. Did you know, Patrick? No. Good, because I'm going to tell you. <laughs> Um my favorite thing. So I so I haven't done this in forever, which is break open a disc and really dive into it. Really do the commentary track, the Blu-ray special features, the deleted scenes, all the little production featurette things like that I did on this. And usually they're like largely repetitive and stuff like that, but the bonus features on here are really good. Um I was shocked how little CGI is used in this movie. Um really? the way, the way that you watch this movie and you think Okay, well, obviously, you know the suits are fake. The underwater thing is fake. The monsters are fake. Obviously, all that. But when you look at the staging, they did so much. First of all, most of the suits are real. The the, the suits are they're actually walking in these hundred pound suits. They shot it. A phrase that I have now decided if I can't decide if I love or hate. Um, they shot dry for wet, which is you're shooting on a soundstage. Right, right. Uh, apparently they shot they shot it in abandoned Lowe's in in uh, New Orleans. Um, mm-hmm. They built stages in there. And uh, and they they added the water later, right? right. Um, they used wire work and all this stuff. But so many of the things, you know, the stunts, the jumping, the being thrown around, all that stuff. You know, today, obviously, you know, you augmented a little bit. And maybe there's some augmentation with CGI and digital effects. But they were doing a lot of that stuff for real. They were throwing stunt people around. Um, And actually, t- t- I feel a little bit because of the budget level or whatever it was, not to say anything against the special effects. But this is one of those situations where I almost wish there was less busyness in the frame yeah. because yeah. it takes away from the reality of that. We're like, no, no, they're really doing this. And there's a sheen to this sometimes that makes it look like it's fake. You could easily right. dismiss it as CGI. Right. Um that being said, I love the design of the movie. I love the design of the um one of my notes is I wrote like really cool things done with familiar things. Right. The suits are obviously every mech suit you've ever seen in a right. sci-fi movie or whatever, right. but they do really right. cool things with them. Um, I love the way that they really sell the fact that these things are dangerous. Like the suits will kill you. If you met, like it's not just the monsters out there. Like there are many, but the people who die in this movie die because their suits malfunction or something like that. Um, There's that great moment where Jessica Henwick has to smash the glass to get Kristen Stewart to breathe because their oxygen thing is busted. Um, There are so many things in the movie that I, I really appreciate in terms of not to say that the tech is realistic because it's clearly not, but um, the attention was paid to dramatizing the setting and the technology in a way that sometimes sci-fi horror slash action type movies will just say like, Oh, there's shotguns, and there's lasers. And it's just, it's, it, we have it cause it's cool, right? It's right, in space right. cause it's cool to have a movie in space. Right. This one is really using its setting and it thematically, like it's really, really doing its best to suffocate you and make you feel claustrophobic and also really highlight the danger. Um, I love the way light is used in this movie. Um, I love the way shadow is used in this movie. We'll talk about that when we get to the end. Um, And I love the way the monsters are used. I I think you, I think there are parts of this movie, like I don't necessarily need as much of the middle part where that monster is attacking her and trying to swallow her and all that stuff. Like I don't need that because I think one of the best moments in this movie is when she shoots the flare. She's in the dark in the underwater and she shoots the flare because she thinks she sees something. And the flare goes across the ocean and it's just this giant Cthulhu and you're like, oh.
0: the way that they sort of pace out the reveals of the monsters i think is very clever and very Mm -hmm. admirable because you could see again a lesser version of this movie because there's not it's not that it's like a particularly original movie as you said it's alien it's deep water deep star six and leviathan and a lot of like aquatic horror movies um but it's just like the best possible version of those things, and the way that they space out the reveals of the monsters. Uh, I mean, even uh, there's even like elements of Cloverfield. I think with like there's yeah. the little guys and then there's the big guy. The big but foot. The...
1: Remember the foot lifts up with the tentacle. <laughs> it's like all the guys are hanging off the thing, and you think the guys are the danger, and then it starts to shake, and the foot comes right. up in the air, and you're right. like,
0: oh shit. <laughs> Uh, it's to their credit, again, that they I, I was not expecting I went into this movie kind of expecting monsters because the marketing hints at monsters. I did not expect. A big ass Cthulhu monster at the end, right. I thought that reveal was like, it's so nice to be genuinely surprised in a movie because it happens so rarely for people like us who see lots and lots of movies. Um, that was a great moment in the theater for me.
1: And I love the fact that the movie doesn't end with the cthulhu smashing everything no right the action doesn't escalate it's her and the cthulhu through the glass right you know like you've got 60 seconds right like that that moment at the end is like because and again rob's gonna get on his bullshit here but the cthulhu (laughs) is symbolic the cthulhu is 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 grief and depression it's the monster that ate her husband like it's it's a, it's a thing and she's dealing with it that way um i love that i love that they let that be enough they let they let the character Drama, the interior character drama as you said so much of the movie is interior they let that be the climax of the movie and they didn't get shaken by maybe studio notes or whatever whatever pressures may have been on them to like action it up a little bit right let the movie end in a quiet place that is like stunning and just it breaks my heart every time
0: yeah the the movie came out at kind of a rough time for me my memory serves like early 2020 again pre-covid but like probably just a a deep depression or something and after we saw it erica was always trying to get me to write something about it and i felt so overwhelmed by it that like i never could do it i was like i can't couldn't pause it was was kind of like joe versus the volcano where i'm like i can't tackle that there's too too much too much um it just feels too big and I'm wondering, I don't know how good of a job I'm going to do on this. So I'm glad that you are here to do all the heavy lifting.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, um, no, and I, you know, you know, we're, 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 we're depression buds, definitely. You know, we definitely, <laughs> definitely understand where we're coming from on this. And I think that probably may be one of the reasons why we both really uh, look at this movie. But to speak to that, one of the things I love about it is that it is? It's I think it's very hopeful. I think it's a really hopeful movie. I think there's a lot of like I love the opening with the spider right where, yeah. where and and we're talking when we're talking about character exposition like in the beginning of the story right she's standing there she's brushing her teeth and she's doing her voiceover which I read a review where it's like oh the voiceover is unneeded and like you can argue about that whatever but she's talking about our her, her fiance her husband right who is spoilers has passed away. Um, he went, he went missing in the ocean folks. That's, that's, that's the, the, the symbolism here. Um, she's brushing her teeth and there's a little spider in the, in the sink. Right. And she goes to kill it. Right. And then she stops and says, you know, hold on a second. And she like lifts it up and like, lets it crawl away. Right. And as she's doing that, the voiceover is talking about her, her deceased fiance was a half glass full, a glass half full guy. She prefers the glass empty, which is like all you need for a character in the opening of a movie. You know what I mean? um and and you see her battling with that like you see her especially in the opening when she has to close the blast doors right Where the guy's like close the blast doors close or whatever they're called the bulkheads or they're blast doors right Um, (laughs) close the doors close doors and she sees those people running through and she's and you have that moment where like it's like like she's fighting herself like how long do i wait right and and because Stuart is so good you see her wait it's i don't know if this makes any sense but she waits longer with her hand than she does with her brain. She 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 lets it – she, like, almost delays the movement from the nerve endings going from her brain to her hand because she wants to wait as long as possible right. and you see her finally hit the thing. And it's the kind of thing that, like, you don't notice half the time but watching the movie now as i have five or six times like you notice how long she waits and how much it breaks her heart to do that because yeah. she knows somebody just lost their somebody you know what right, i mean like i right. ju- like you know what i mean and that's and that's kind of so much about th- what the movie is about um and then when we get into the real nitty gritty of it um in terms of her relationship with with the the couple right the john gallagher character and the and the jessica hamack character um y- y- when you see so much of what she's trying to do to save them um you know and the Vincent Cassell characters in there too and we can talk about him because I boy do I love seeing Kristen Stewart and Vincent Cassell in the same movie they're like just like beautiful angular like gorgeous <laughs> like there's just I know she's not European but there's something like European about their look both of them um I, I love I love the moment there's she has this character beat and I'm jumping all over the place I know That's but okay. she, she she has this character beat where she's describing what's going to happen to them um, they're on the they're on the boards in the opening, right? Oh, Captain, what's going on? What's our status, right? You know, Commander, like we're doing this, blah blah blah. And they're all typing away and they're looking at stuff and they're doing all the things about what's going on right now. And she and she has a moment where she's talking about how things are going to go wrong, and she says, "I have the line written down." Um, she's like, "People are going to find us," and she does this with her fingers, which you can't see, but I'm doing like a like a dancing finger thing. She's like, floating around, and she's like, you see her heartbreak as she's doing this with her fingers, like it's just like this tiny little aside moment, and and again. A lot of this is probably me projecting a lot of stuff onto the movie, and, and I'm reading it in the way I choose to read it. So you could say like that's not important, but to me, from the from the opening of the movie, she's trying to help these people get to where they need to go, and she's trying to redeem herself for what she couldn't stop happening to herself. And you see her heartbreak when it's not so much like we're going to die; it's like oh my god, I can't save these people. Right? Um, and she just has so many, and like we talk about actors who are good at. Like, uh, I think Adam and I were just talking about Jesse Plemons in Killers of the Flower Moon, right? Which, did you get to that yet? Not yet. Okay, so I won't spoil anything. But his power, and this is Adam's line, not mine, but like, like DiCaprio wants the space and Plemons knows how to give it. You know what I mean? Like, he's the kind of actor who knows, like, I I can get out of the way of this. Or the, the camera only needs me right here. Or the camera mm-hmm. only needs a little bit of me. Or I only need to be here and there. Whereas DiCaprio is trying to eat everything he wants. <laughs> right? Which is not to say it's bad. Like, it's, no, it's, it's I know. A great, it's a great performance. But they're very different actors. Stewart is so good about being deferential and mm-hmm. in the moment, like with even within the frame. And I think so much of that is like reminds me of the claustrophobia, like all throughout this movie. And I don't even have this with space movies, where I could not stop thinking about the pressure that there's pressure on them, that all these things are happening to them, and they're on the bottom of the ocean floor. Right, right, right. There's intense, deadly pressure. We see what happens when those pressure suits get cracked. These people get, you know, we. We obviously all just went through this with the submarine full of rich people, but right, right, right. we see what happens to these people when, when, when pressure is relieved. Um, but that's obviously, there's so many moments in this movie where she's trying to dig through the claustrophobia. She's trying to get through that. You're remembering how much is weighing down on her, but she doesn't have those breakdown moments that you would expect. She has a nice moment by herself when she's, when she makes her new suit toward the end of the, like, I guess it would be the second act, Um, where you see everything go through her face like all the moments of like i'm gonna go back and i'm gonna do this my point with this is like so much of it is small so much of it is contained so much of it is her like tearing out script pages and being like i don't need this line. right right i don't need this line i can do this with my face i can right. do this with my face i don't need right. this i don't need this just shoot there shoot that i can do this with my face and I, that's what i love about this performance
0: i think everybody is again with the exception of tj miller who is fine i just want to say in the movie um i feel like everybody is kind of minimalist in their approach and in their characterization i mean vincent cassell there's a great moment between him and kristen stewart where she's trying to get him to save himself and she says you have a kid you need to survive you know and he says what's what a captain does and that's all we need to know about him is Mm -hmm. like oh he's committed to this because this is his role and he's going to see it through um Yeah, I just it's I don't want to call it the anti blockbuster because it it provides you with so many of the things that you want from blockbusters. It just does it in a way that blockbusters so rarely do with. It's like uh, maximum minimalism, you know, it's like it gives you everything you need with as little as possible. And I think that's perfect. Even the monster at the end, we're not getting big looks at the monster. It mostly exists in the distance and shadow. We see it when it lights up for a second. We know that it's there, but they're not spending a fortune on creating CGI scales and what's Cthulhu going to look like and all this shit. But it's enough, you know, it's like. It's just it's very rare for a quote unquote big budget this is probably closer to like mid budget comparatively yeah. although it's what like 70 million it's was like it
1: they got it between 50 and 80
0: okay that's a yeah. large <laughs> that's, well, that could be anything um i'll call it a mid budget movie but you know it's 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 blockbuster numbers um it's like because it was coming out in January or because they shot it in 2017 or because Fox was being sold to Disney. Who knows? But, like, they got away with something. And I love a movie where they get away with something that, that the studio wasn't paying close enough attention to fuck it all up for them.
1: That's, I think that's probably the key for this movie is that the yeah. studio wasn't paying enough attention to fuck it up. Yeah. Yeah um letting i mean just again and 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 you know i'm we're talking maybe as if you've seen the movie if you haven't i think we both really recommend it um but the, in terms of the ending you know letting as i said before letting that be enough where it's just like here's this character she lost her fiance to the ocean she works at the bottom of the sea probably in some way of coping with that, dealing with it, like like maybe trying to atone for maybe she, something she didn't go with him, right? The whole idea was they love to dive together. One night, she didn't go with him, and he died. He disappeared. So now she spends her life at the bottom of the sea to atone for that loss, right? Mm-hmm. The monster represents, you know, that grief, that shame, that that sadness, whatever it is, destroying it, again, spoilers, at the end of the movie, so that this other couple can escape is kind of her, you know, making making it right with the universe, right? When you think about so many of the things that this movie does well, again, talking about like I can't lose anybody else, as she says, or what you just talked about, the captain, like, you know, he's um he does this because he's the captain, this is what this is what people do. Um, you know, I think that the moment at the end. And again, I, I keep going back to like Kristen Stewart being a great actress in the movie, but she has this moment with Jessica Henwick. And we haven't even talked about the fact that Kristen Stewart and Jessica Henwick are both in this movie and I can't handle that. It was I have was a I have a
0: series of questions I'll, I'll it ask. It was you too much for me. It was yeah. too, it's just too much. Yeah. Um
1: but when when she's trying to get the Jessica Henwick character to get in the pod, right? Get in the pod. Get do it. And yeah. she's like, Well, hold on, like yours and, and spoilers for the movie, but her you no. Know, Stewart's pod is broken. She's not going to escape. She's putting her in the pod, putting her the pod, get in the pod, and she does. And it's funny when she punches her to knock her out and stuff like that. But also, there's that beautiful moment where it's like in the middle of everything. No, nope, no, nope, get in, get in, get in the pod. Do you know what I would do for one more second? Right. And it's not the music doesn't swell. Right, it doesn't, right, right. It's almost it's in profile, like it's almost inside. She's like, do you get it? And she doesn't go off on a long tangent of like oh, I do. I miss him every day, and I blah blah blah. And like the sea, my heart is the sea, and blah blah blah. Like it could be, you know what I mean? Like. She doesn't yeah. have the whole model. It's just like, do you know? And it's like, yeah, we do. Like, we do. We know. You know what I mean? Like, that's what she like. I, this is what I've been doing this for. Um, and you know, and again, saving that couple, you know, gives her peace. The, you know, just the the joy in her. And again, like we could talk about the ending. Obviously, you know, it's very flashy cinematography at the end. There's the shadows and the and the the backlighting and all that, but just the the way they do those wide angles on her face where she's yeah. center of the frame and she's yeah. just looking up and you just see the sweat and the cuts and the end, but it's just her eyes and she's like gorgeous. And it's just this whole, just like it's victory for her. She's the biggest, not the monster. She's the biggest thing in the frame at the end. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it's her victory. She sacrifices herself. Yes, but it's her victory. Right. Um, And, and I just, I can't say enough good stuff about it. It's just such a great way to end a movie.
0: I, agree with you i wish this is not my problem that i alluded to earlier but i oh, do yeah, kind of yeah. wish it would like cut to black and credits and not like news I mean, headlines need... and a shitty pop song <laughs> yeah <laughs> you, you
1: know? don't like, need that certainly that feels like maybe a concession of the studio like yeah. well, what happened to the
0: thing right yeah. right um, we get it they went up we know that they made it you know
1: can we can we talk about your your thing then
0: there's a section of the movie that i just don't love and i'm not a big like plot hole guy or like I'm not unwilling to suspend disbelief but I just there's a section where she gets separated from the group and ends up on uh, finds a different drill basically so she can be inside for a little while and then manages to find her party on the bottom of the ocean and in a movie with giant undersea monsters and all this shit going on there is a part of me that's like I don't know if I buy that like I just think it makes the environment too small when the whole point is how massive it is. You know, this is my problem with uh, all the Star Wars fucking prequels is that it shrinks space to be about the same six people or the same two families, (laughs) you know, basically, so that everybody knows everybody and everybody's related to everybody. Um, Not the prequels. I'm sorry. The the sequel trilogy. I should. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. I I guess both. Yeah, that's true um it's so dumb but i just i don't i don't think that section of the movie totally works it's like some i think there's some unnecessary convenience
1: too many like too many cuts to black and and coming back and being like almost like a like a plot cheat, like oh yeah, we, we yeah. Park. In this situation, we come back. We're a different place. We don't need to explain where they're. I get right. that. I, I can see that. I, to, the scale doesn't bother me because they do such a good job explaining the relative distance between everything. We're like this thing's over here, this thing's over here. There's a path over here. There's a tunnel. You could buy it, I guess. Um, but uh, no, I don't. I don't necessarily. You know, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't. It doesn't bother me as much. Maybe, but I don't. I don't disagree with that. Obviously,
0: um, it is not a deal breaker at all. Yeah. You know, it's not. It doesn't speaking even of the, speaking of the set, yeah. yeah
1: speak, speaking of the set and design and stuff, I just have to throw out because I always have to throw out Resident Evil when I find it. Oh, um, there it I, is. I love, I love after the disaster locations. Um, I love one of the reasons why I love like the Resident Evil games is because you're exploring these workplaces that are abandoned. And so I like all the detail of the abandoned rigs and the abandoned drills and all the little, you know, the, the rooms There's are just like the ping pong table, or there's like, you know, solo cups stacked in the corner. There's people's things. I love, I love all the corporate like voiceover and all, all the signs it was very portal, like very like kind right. of almost like funny late stage capitalism type stuff, Where it's like, you, <laughs> know, you are the company, right? Um, yeah. Obviously more kind of alien type, type stuff. Riffs right. Yeah. Like but I just I you know I love the design of it. I love that they didn't they didn't try to reinvent the wheel. Again, speaking about this movie being like oh it's it's tried derivative. It's like no, it uses the things we've established. Again, why it doesn't need that first act where before everything happens. It just it's like no, you know what kind of movie this is. Right. This is the, you just right. go like here we go. Right. Here's here's what what if in this movie this happened. Right. It's all you need.
0: The novelty of the movie is that someone sat down and said oh but what if it was good. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm I'm totally serious. Not enough movies do that anymore. Like they don't take the time to sit down. I'm not saying that people don't want to make good movies. Uh, I believe that everyone who made fast X and Indiana Jones and the dial of destiny and, and all the movies that came out this summer that kind of underwhelmed me, I believe they set out to make good movies, but I don't think at any point they sat down and said, but what if it was good? Right. But what if, what if we, what if we tried a little bit? How do we, how do we get there you know right
1: are you familiar with william eubank the director we haven't mentioned him yet i know he made the I'm signal not. which i never saw yeah
0: he made the signal that i didn't see right he, it's not the anthology it's one not the it's the the, one. the lawrence fishburne it's, one
1: yeah, i think so i think it's okay that. Yeah, i could be wrong about that but i'm almost positive because i'm looking at the 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 bad imdb stuff no um, i really i don't know his work uh no. curious to curious to check out is i don't know if he's made anything since i I didn't yeah he
0: made a a a paranormal activity movie oh he did okay that went straight to paramount plus
1: Uh, of course it did
0: and he has a movie called land of bad with russell crowe and liam hemsworth (laughs) in post-production right now so and and, and luke hemsworth and milo ventimiglia which means adam will see it
1: all right. Well, I uh, I guess I'm seeing that, but
0: it uh, doesn't <laughs> totally the most common. It's a, he,
1: I'll put it this way. I'm Glaze
0: Birkin. He was a cinematographer, um, apparently. That sounds right. Before becoming a director.
1: That's um. Real quick, because I'm an English teacher, I have to throw out all the Alice in Wonderland references. Okay. Um. There's the Red Queen card in the beginning. Uh. TJ uh, Miller's character has a Cheshire Cat tattoo um there's a couple lines uh if you don't know where you're going any road will get you there right Mm -hmm, these are mm -hmm. tj miller is apparently i guess his character is an alice in wonderland guy which like to me doesn't fit really it feels like first like first color script pages stuff like it feels like something that was there in an early draft and maybe they didn't really develop like the alice in wonderland motif isn't really i mean i understand she's like exploring and blah 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 but like it's not I mean, maybe I need to reread Alice in Wonderland. You guys out there can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but it feels like maybe a, a, a leftover from an earlier draft that is yeah. kind of just in there because it's like, well, we already did it. But, um, yeah. and then the other really funny thing I'll bring up about the DVD is uh, the uh, the little bunny, right? That TJ Miller character's got this little stuffed bunny. Um, apparently they shot a lot of it with a real one. It, it was originally supposed to be a real bunny. That makes and sense. You can te- and you can tell that they, so the director says on the commentary that, they told the actors that it was going to be a real, they were going to CGI a real bunny in there later. So to treat it like it's a real bunny. So it's really funny when you go back and watch it now, the way they kind of are very gentle with it. <laughs> it's a stuffed rabbit, but they're very gentle with it because in their reality on set, right. it's going to be real, but it's really funny to watch the finished project. It's like, it's all stuffed animal. Just throw it at them. Like, is it to be? I, but so, I thought that was a really funny detail.
0: I so miss taking the time to go through special features. Because in the early days of like owning DVDs, it was like that's what you did. You got a movie and you dissected it from start to finish and you went through every single special feature and you listen to all four commentaries on the Fight Club DVD and you, you know, like, and now it's just like there's so many movies that it's like I'm lucky to watch the movie, much less listen to the commentary or watch the special features.
1: Yeah, and that speaks to just the amount of movies we watch, the 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 drift away from. I think it's also just time. I think we're just. Oh yeah, for sure. Adults now we have you know children and more response. Like I just I've I've said before, like you know my 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 (laughs) intro to podcasting was Kevin Smith commentary tracks. Right, the idea of listen. I fall asleep to a podcast almost every night, and it's because I grew up listening to Kevin Smith uh, commentary tracks before I went to sleep.
0: That's how I used to love falling to sleep was listening to commentary tracks. You nice. know, I heard the Paul Tom Sanderson Boogie Nights commentary like a hundred times because it was my first DVD. Um, do you love Kristen Stewart in this movie or is it her haircut?
1: Uh, so. All right. So we have to get into the whole thing now. Now we're now we're going to get into this whole face. So. Um, so I found the line. Um OK. I want to be very careful here because I don't want to be indecent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be too horny on Maine, as they say. I don't want to be. I don't want to be too you know gross. Uh, listen, I want to be very clear. Kristen Stewart is an amazing actor. I yes, respect her work. I course. respect her integrity. I respect all these things. She's the best. Um, she's absolutely the best. Um, and uh, it it a, a little bit. The haircut, I actually find her Charlie's Angels haircut to be my platonic ideal of the Kristen Stewart haircut. Got it. Um it doesn't hurt. Um and as I said in the opening of the of the of the of the podcast today, uh, TJ Miller refers to her as a sweet, flat-chested elven creature. And Patrick, if there was a better description of a Rob's type, <laughs> I don't know of it. Um because that is Rob's type. That's that's uh that's that's what that's that's my deal. So um but But uh, yeah, no, she's, she's obviously, you know, she's gorgeous in this movie. She, again, spends a significant part of this movie wet and in her underwear. Um, Again, don't want to be indelicate. Yeah, right, right, right. It is what it is. Yes. So yes, obviously as a fan of hers and also somebody who, you know, I, I, but, but I also think that so much of the physical, like, again, if I can get an English teacher again about it, the idea is that she's stripped down and she's, you know, and she's like vulnerable and all those things. And I love how it like. The fact that you can tell how cold they are, like that's such a thing. Yeah. I mean, like when they spend, yeah. you know, shirtless and pantsless and stuff, like you can see the beads of, you know, the, again, the lighting in this movie is so interesting. You can see the beads of sweat mixed with the salt water, mixed with the blood and everything like that. It makes it really visceral, which is funny considering how much of the movie they also spend in these gigantic suffocating uh suits. And I, on the commentary track, they were talking about how like. Stewart, it was actually really game for all those scenes because she was spent so much of the rest of the movie in these giant mech suit things where she had to walk around these things like she actually didn't mind running around her underwear for the other half of the movie because it was like freeing you know um jessica henwick is also somebody i have become a fan of in the last few years um i remembered her i didn't know who she was when i saw this movie obviously she doesn't have a ton to do in this movie she's kind of the um she's kind of the uh, uh who's the the simpsons actor who's an alien um the voice actor from The Simpsons, who's an alien, and she spends most of the movie screaming. Who's
0: in alien. I'm sorry. I thought you said who's an alien. Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's Hank Azaria, obviously, but no.
0: Um, Veronica Cartwright is who you're thinking of. Yeah, I think so. But where I think she's in Alien. Nancy Cartwright is the Simpsons actor.
1: Oh, okay. Never mind. I mix the two. Sorry. You know who I'm talking about. I she do. Spe- she spends a lot of the movie kind of screaming and crying and that's Correct. Kind of what a lot of Henwick has to do in this movie. So it's not a great yeah. role for her, but like there's enough in it where you get some, you know, close-ups of her big eyes and stuff and she gets a, nice, a couple of nice emotional moments and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, you know, also like, again, if we're just diving right into fetishes here, like if we're just going to, if we're, if you've listened long enough, you get to hear some of my fetishes, um, you know. Yes, Uh, they got those like sheer shoulder pads and knee pads to protect them, their bodies from the. And I was real into that, too. There was a weird (laughs) thing going on there. They got like the anyway, I'm just being gross now. and I apologize to everybody out there. But Patrick S., to be fair.
0: Well, it's a weird thing because as much time as Kristen Stewart spends in her underwear in this movie, and I'm a fan of Kristen Stewart on every level. And so that holds some appeal for me. But I never feel like it's exploitative because there is a function for it, as you were saying, both story-wise and thematically. And yet I do think that, like, at the end of Alien, when Sigourney Weaver strips down to her underwear, it's meant to be the same thematic function in that, oh, look how vulnerable she is now. But it 100% feels like, let's look at Sigourney Weaver's butt well, he shoots in her, her underwear. crotch
1: first. In that yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Like there's I mean, and believe me, I was looking there's like one shot where Stewart runs across the screen and you see, in fact, that they're more exploitative of T. j. Miller's ass in this movie than they are of hers, there's that big close up shot right. for humor um uh, yeah, no, I agree, definitely.
0: are you okay with Kristen Stewart sacrificing herself if it means that Jessica Henwick survives?
1: see that but see then also she's gonna marry john gallagher jr and he's a killer you gotta look out for him. remember in the house when it was in the house <laughs> the, the, with the deaf lady, the lady you gotta watch couldn't. out for that guy yeah he's gonna stab you um yes i'm okay i'm okay with it because because she's happy again there's that moment uh, talking about her deferring space to other actors there's the moment in the pod where he wakes up and and she's like you know we're gonna get out of here it's gonna be okay you know and and he says uh thanks for dragging me across the ocean floor, you know, and yeah. all that. And that whole scene, it's just that it's like a two shot between the two, it's the two of them, but Stuart is in the mid ground in the back there and she's just smiling and she's just watching the two of them talk. And you can see the relief on her face. And you can see the kind of like the peace that she's at. And um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm okay with it. I, I will, I will let that go as long as they're happy, as long as they're okay. And um, Kristen Stewart got to blow up a big kaput monster. And that makes me happy.
0: <laughs> Next question. Who has the worst, Fate, Rodrigo or T.J. Miller?
1: Ooh. So, uh, for folks who haven't seen the movie, uh, Rodrigo um, uh, has a crack in his uh, glass and the pressure eventually causes the crack to expand and he implodes. Because they um, open he, the
0: door. They open the they door. They open the hatch. Yeah. And uh, Chris Seward knows it's going to happen. I mean, the mm-hmm. way that that's all timed out is incredible and sort mm-hmm. of the, the fucking horrible inevitability it's like it's so well done
1: and then you see him clock the broken thing like you see he knows it's broken but he gives the other yeah um don't love that the black guy dies first in this movie but that's a whole other conversation um and then t.j miller gets pulled right he well see he technically i guess does he also get deep the idea is that he's on a line that that the monster pulls underneath the the concrete so he gets pulled out of his suit right i'm not 100% sure. He gets pulled through his suit because they say he pulled him right through his suit. But I also think like once you rip the suit, you depressurize anyway, right? Because he does kind of – there's the bloody explosion on the inside of the suit. But he doesn't explode the way Rodrigo did. So I'm wondering if there was – I have to go back and look like is the pressure. I don't – maybe because I guess it wouldn't be pressurized because they all are there without their helmets on. That's the scene where they're under – that other really claustrophobic scene where they're in the concrete thing is collapsing on them. So I guess the monster just rips him through his suit. Okay. Um which I I mean hopefully both are all at once. I feel like his might be better because I'm not staring at the crack in the glass waiting for it to happen. Okay. I feel like I'd rather be TJ Miller because hopefully I just pass out. <laughs> Otherwise, because if I'm the other guy, I'm staring at the thing as it's cracking, 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 getting ready, and then I just right. die. I don't know. Okay. What
0: about you? Uh, it's hard to say because they're both aware of what's happening to them, and that's the part I don't like. Yeah. Because that's T.J. Miller is like, something's grabbing me, something's pulling me, so he is the aware. where
1: he's like, put my helmet on. I mean, like, imagine right. that for a second. Like right. yeah, we, we We've talked about this, but like the whole idea is – Oh my God! This thing is pulling me underwater. Put my helmet on, so right. I don't like not like I mean save me obviously, but like my priority is if I'm gonna get pulled under, you got to put this thing on, otherwise I'm gonna die. Yeah, that's yeah. And again, I have a whole thing with like drowning, and like I have a whole thing with you know pressure and and claustrophobia too. I don't have it like it's not you know, it's not like debilitating, but I do have a little bit of that. Um, and uh, this movie taps into it for sure.
0: Yeah uh all right last of my series of rapid fire questions yes you kind of just alluded to it but does the characterization of jessica henwick and john gallagher jr warrant there being if you're reading on the film is that she wants to save this couple should they have done more for them to earn that
1: I don't think it matters because it's from Stewart's perspective.
0: Okay, that's what I think. I, figured I think you were the idea.
1: I, I'm with you. Where it's like oh, they don't really do enough job, enough of a job, like building the couple. Like we right. know that Gallagher is her dead fiance's best friend. Um, so there's a little bit of implicit characterization there, but I think it's more important that it's just like because she says to when they're walking across the ocean, she says like, "Oh, you know, what's your dog's name?" and all that, and she's like, "Oh, you love him, you know? Yeah." And she sees it in her, her eyes, and I, you could argue that they needed more, but again. I don't think you need it because it's not about them; it's about her.
0: Right. Okay. She
1: wants to give. Maybe she's like, she just wants to give them the chance to have. That. Right. Right.
0: Right. Right. So I don't. Okay. I don't need any more of that. Yeah, I like it's from it her
1: pers- from her perspective.
0: Uh, anything else about underwater you got? Uh,
1: I love. Uh, thank you. Uh, for the Men in Black reference. Uh, blasting through a monster to escape from it. Uh, nice uh, reference to Men in Black. A perfect movie. Um, other than that, no. I just have lots of notes on like. Uh uh, you know, uh elbow pads and uh, <laughs> short hair, elven beauty, uh pictures of I el- just pictures I drew of elves in here also in my notes. I feel like I, I think I got kind of off track a little bit. Um but uh no, love the movie.
0: It's a good movie that more people should see. I do feel like, you know, like horror Twitter was pretty on to this movie when it was in theaters. Uh and then it showed up on like HBO Max. I think during COVID and doesn't get talked about very much Um, for whatever reason, when I was trying to buy this Blu-ray, when it first came out, I couldn't like it, the release date came and went, but it was not in stock anywhere. It was a very strange phenomenon, but I do now own a Blu-ray thanks to Erica. So uh, I can watch it anytime.
1: And so Uh, just, you know, Hair wise, again, if we can go back to the hair, I'm just kidding. She has a, a cowlick in the movie. If you notice, like her hair is very short. Yeah. But she's yeah. also got this cowlick, which I found incredibly hot. Anyway, we should, just, <laughs> we should just end. I think we'll
0: wrap it up. Yeah. We'll wrap it up there. Thank you, Rob, for talking about this movie with me and making me appreciate it even more. Your enthusiasm is infectious. Thank you. Um, I am a big fan of this movie. It was it was on all of our top ten lists. Thank you guys very much for listening. Thank you for participating in the seven sorry the Scary Movie Challenge. Uh, please continue to do so over the next week so that Mike and I have some reviews to read on our Halloween episode in which we cover a single horror franchise. Uh, happy last week of Scary Movie Month, everybody! Thanks again, Rob.
1: You've got sixty seconds. <laughs>